Uh, I'm the horticulture manager with the Natural History Museum, and I've been working there since 2012, the end of 2012, so a little over eight years now. Um, and a little history, hopefully you've all been there, but uh, the Nature Gardens is our outdoor component to the museum. And it opened in 2013, and it was meant to be a place where people could come and like experience the wildlife in their backyard. So it was built to attract wildlife of various types and to be a place for our scientists and for students and for the public to come and um, explore and enjoy and learn a little something too. Good morning, this is DJ Desiree and you are listening to Domination Radio. Today we are going to be interviewing Dan Feldman, a horticulturist at the Natural History Museum. This is part of our podcast series on the ecosystems of LA, mutual aid, and creating communities of care. I didn't know the job you had existed. Can you tell me in your own words, what do the horticulturists do? Yeah, so I, I didn't really know the job existed probably when I was around your age either as much, but um, through experiences and through uh, education later on, I eventually learned and came to find that it was kind of the perfect position for me. Uh, a horticulturist is someone who takes care of plants in the most basic sense of it. Um, you know, it's pretty similar to what a gardener does. There's a lot of overlap there. Um, horticulture is a much older word for gardening. I think it's from ancient Greek. Uh, but it's a more scientific kind of approach to taking care of plants and raising them, giving them the best uh, conditions that you could possibly can and you know studying how how to do that so taking some you know scientific uh, approach to it testing things learning from your experiences and trying to improve so horticulturalists work as gardeners growers therapists and designers do you feel more connected to certain types of plants and why my background i came to plants kind of through working in um, habitat restoration and more natural areas like uh, national parks, um, national forests. Uh, so I definitely feel a little more connected to uh, what we call native plants, uh, the ones that originate from a specific area and are unique to that area often. Um, because you get like a sense of place from learning about those plants and um, working among those plants. Uh, I find those <clears throat> to be rewarding. Um, I'm also really interested in uh, fruit trees, especially. Yeah, I think those are my my main ones, mainly because they're delicious. But the native plant uh, approach definitely has been basically my background. And we do a lot of uh, California native plants currently at the Natural History Museum. Uh, did you feel any pressure to be a to be the first horticulturist at the Natural History Museum, and how did you handle it? That's a great question. Um, so I was the first one there, uh, when I arrived, the garden was still under construction actually. So we had, um, like two or three construction teams there. Um, sorry. Uh, we had to wear hard hats when we were working in the gardens. Um, sometimes there were cranes and some machinery. So it was a little daunting at first working around all of that. Definitely. Um, and then, you know, working at a hundred year old institution too, that's been around for a really long time. You definitely 
do feel a little pressure not to um, damage that in any way or you want you want to respect the um, presence of the building I guess it's it's been there for long before I am and hopefully it'll be there long after me so that was a little daunting at first especially when we had like some irrigation problems and floods of water getting close to uh, things but we try to minimize the instance of that um, so le learning how to respond fast to things was a good way being really familiar with the systems there which wasn't always um, an easy thing to do <clears throat> coming on with so many different construction teams working around it but uh, I learned from the people that were already were already there and had some information so co cooperating with others I think was very important um, having some patience uh, since it was built kind of in a rush, there were some planting issues that we had to correct early on. So I did spend some time kind of going around the garden, making sure everything was planted well, uh, trying to like nurse it through those first few years. That can be kind of the hardest part for starting a new garden, I think, the first few years until things get established, especially with our local plants. Joanna, do you ever have problems with your work, with what you are trying to accomplish? How do you stay motivated when that happens? Um, so like I touched on earlier, there are a lot of potential problems with uh, growing plants. You know, they're living things, they're competing and contending with other living things out in their environment. And some of those are diseases. Some of those are fungi that attack the roots of the trees. Um, so there can be a lot of, uh, disappointments, I'd say, <clears throat> but just realizing that, um, a garden is dynamic and a garden is alive and is going to kind of have a life of its own beyond you a little bit is important. Um, we tend to get kind of attached to plants too, uh, emotionally sometimes, you know, we, we have a favorite tree in the garden or a, a prized plant that we have nursed along and when that crashes it can be especially disappointing uh, we had a very large um, maybe a hundred year old tree that we had to remove um, a little over a year ago so uh, it took a bit of convincing myself you know that I wasn't the one that was responsible for it that it must have been uh, declining before I even started in the garden uh, helped a little bit too um but that was a big disappointment that's an example you know so le learning from what happened to in those situations i think helps knowing that you can take something away from it and apply it to the next the next problem or the next uh plant that you grow in that area is a um, helpful thing yeah we haven't found a replacement for that tree yet incidentally we're um trying to think it through very carefully it's kind of in, a, in an important place. If you were able to plan a specific plan around the community, which one would it be? And how would it help the community in South LA to plant certain types of plants? I think a nice tree species. There's a lot of studies showing that um, presence of canopy, so blocking out some of the sunlight, giving some shade, um 
it has a lot of different values. Um, psychologically speaking, it um, gives people greater peace of mind. And there's actual studies that show this. It sounds kind of interesting, but there are actual studies. is even shown to um, a lower crime rates. Types of plants you could grow, say uh, edible plants, uh, fruit trees, banana trees, things like that, in the parkways, out front of the houses. Um, you know, if food access is an issue in the community, that might be a interesting experiment. Having edible uh, front yards and edible parkways. So I think it it depends on the needs of that community. How do you deal with an infestation like bugs, fungi, invasive species that harm plants? That's a great question. Um, a bit of a complicated one. So I think our approach, we are organic uh, in our methods, which means we don't use um, pesticides or chemicals. That's not completely true. We use organic pesticides occasionally. Um, but we try not to use any any type of pesticide. We definitely don't use any synthetic chemicals uh, for bugs and or infestations. Um, so I think our approach is kind of an ecosystem, more holistic approach. Um, we want to uh, provide an environment and conditions that make it difficult for any of these to really take over or harm the garden. So by planting, say, plants that attract uh, beneficial insects, which are insects that come and will eat our pests and help out in other ways, um, that kind of balances our system out and makes it uh, harder for any individual pest to come in and uh, take hold and really hurt, the, hurt an individual plant. Um, we tolerate a little bit of munching of from bugs and insects, we think of them as bird food. So having some amount of insects in the garden is actually good for other species, if you think of it that way. Um, so a little bit of it's just kind of uh, changing our expectations to some extent. In um, gardening, we call that uh, the threshold, or in the, the term for this is Integrated pest management is kind of how we deal with uh, all of these problems. That's the official term for the study of this and the approach to this. Um, you're looking at all of these different factors independently and kind of integrating them. So having the best conditions for each plant, uh, having a diversity of plants that are going to attract different uh, beneficial insects. And so you don't have like all one species that's going to get wiped out when you have an infestation or an issue. Um, so when one plant does fail, you still have many others that will survive and carry on. And occasionally in horticulture, this happens. Like there's um, a pest that's really attacking, uh, shoot, I can't think of the name. Um, well, there's the shot hole borer, for instance. Uh, that's a very bad pest right now that's in infesting a large variety of plants. So that's a very difficult one um, because it goes after so many different plants. But uh, we think it's kind of being dealt with slowly by plants evolving and learning to uh, fend it off a little bit better. Um, so having some patience helps too. Uh, being willing to try something new is important. Uh, take a plant out that is beyond salvation and 
replace it with something that's going to do a little better. So there's a lot of different ways to deal with it. Um, I think having a big arsenal of approaches is good for these kind of problems. Yeah, being able to draw from a large a large uh, pool of resources and figure out the best approach. But we don't, you know, spray chemicals on our plants when we see an insect attacking them. We don't treat the soil when we know we have a soil issue. It just kind of changes your um, parameters and what you can do in that area. So being being adaptive. Uh, wait, I have another follow-up for that specific question. So we, we put bugs, fungi, and invasive species, but I know two other different things can affect plants. Well, from what I know of, I'm not sure if there's more. There's actual plant diseases. I know that for a fact. And then there's the parasitic plants. How would you, do, how would you guys deal with those? Um, diseases kind of are the same idea. Uh, generally, if the plant has the best conditions possible, if it's in the right place, um, if it's getting all the nutrients and uh, care that it needs, it should be a little bit more resistant to any problems. Um, so just kind of trying to perfect growing conditions and not trying to like force a plant somewhere that it doesn't really, won't really thrive um, is a good approach for avoiding the diseases. And then when it happens, yeah, being being able to react and find a plant that will work there if that one fails. Um, we have definitely removed a lot of a lot of plants in our garden from disease issues. Uh, fungi is the bigger problem, but um, there are yeah disease issues. But we don't have too many that are a problem. I know there are some vegetables that uh, take uh, nutrients from others. So um, there's something called companion planting, which is kind of the study of what grows well together, especially in vegetable gardens, um, but also in uh, natural areas too. So making sure that you put uh, things that will kind of be mutually beneficial to each other together rather than the ones that will leach off of each other when, when you can do so. But I don't have a lot of experience with uh, parasitic plants. I'll look into it. You're right. Mutual benefit, like um, kind of like what we talk about with mutual aid. Does that relate in any way how we deal with issues in our communities? I think, yeah, there's a lot of uh, similarities to that. Um, I think looking at, you know, the root causes of issues in our communities. Um, People are going to do best when they have the best growing conditions, so to speak, right? Um, so yeah, I think I think there is a lot of overlap there. I think that yeah, I think prob problems in the community can be symptoms of things that are you know deeper, deeper than just what they appear on the surface. Uh, yeah. I think I'll leave it at that. Can a plant ecosystem be compared to a human community? 
So plant ecosystem is very diverse, right? Uh, and also, you know, when we're talking about ecosystem, it's hard to just separate plants from it too. There's a lot of um, interplay from the wildlife and animals that live among the plants. So thinking of the plants as kind of a web of life and their ecosystem as a web of life, uh, I think has a lot of uh, comparison to our communities as well, right? That we all kind of play different roles. We all help support each other, uh, take things from each other, give things to each other. Um, we're all interconnected in the same ways that plants are interconnected to their ecosystems. And we're connected to those plant ecosystems, whether we acknowledge it or not. Um, they're there too, and they, they are where all of our stuff really comes from, if you think about it. So we are very connected to those plants. So. This project was made possible with the support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Visit www.calhum.org. Again, that's www.calhum.org. Thank you for listening.